Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, ladies, we have Kim Kiyosaki. She is an internationally recognized author, speaker, investor, and she is one of the founders of the Rich Dad Company. We are so excited to have her on, and we covered so much on today's episode, right, Jessa? Yeah. And I think what you're going to really appreciate most is she is so down to earth, so real, so authentic. We go from tips and strategies from an investing perspective to the advantages women bring to investing, and then we talk so much and weave through so much around mindset and self-care. Yeah. We we talked about women, how important women are in investment and being financially free and having that money story let go of that. And one thing that she shared, and I, I thought one was one of the highlights of this episode is what is the lesson that it's taking her the longest to learn? And you won't believe what she said, what it is. You might think, oh, I'm not hearing this from Kim. But I'm not going to share that with you. You got to enjoy this episode over here because it's full of real estate investment, business strategies, and also mindset. This is packed. This is a must-watch, must-listen episode. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where we are incredibly committed to empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life, right, Andressa? 
Whatever balance means to you. Don't forget that. That's important. (laughs) Uh, We have an incredibly special guest on our show today, Kim Kiyosaki. Thank you so much for being on our show. And thank you for being here to, you know, uh, share your amazing wisdom with the women in our community and that follow our show. Oh, thank you, Liz. Thank you, Adressa. Thank you for having me. And, and I really applaud the work that you're doing to educate women. It's so important, especially today. Yes. And that's one of uh, one of the many things we want to get into with you here in a moment. Uh, really excited to get your insight into. Andressa and I, as we always do uh, for the women listening and watching, I uh, just want to quickly connect with all of you amazing women out there. And so, Andressa, what what do you have going on here today? Well, my son, he's now six years old and he's had, he has been going to Montessori school for, since he was two, but he was like a, a, a baby-ish uh, structure before. And now that he's six, he's on for, in first grade. And uh, because of COVID, I didn't get a chance to really go and see the interactions. And this couple, past couple of weeks, I went there for the first time. I got opportunity to, to see what's going on and observe for 15 minutes. And I need to be honest, although I made a conscious decision about putting him into Montessori um, methodology school, I was shocked. (laughs) I was really shocked to see the structure. So they have first, second, and third grade at the same time. So they start teaching leadership since since that that time. They were all doing different things. Some of them were sitting on their desk. Others were not. They have like this carpet that they can lay down over there and do their work. My son was building something. I I have no clue what he was building there. While other kids were doing math, rocks, art, different things going on at the same time. And I was like, what's going on? Right? It's like, although it was very diverse, there was no chaos. And I was having a conversation with the teacher where uh, the focus is on their strengths. They pick their schedule and there's different ways of completing the same task. And then I was like, oh my gosh. One side, I was like very proud to be to be giving him the, this opportunity. On the other side, I looked back and I was like, I remember me going to school for years and years and looking at a teacher, a professor in front of me that had the knowledge that was spread out across the board. I didn't get a chance to either say, I'm not into physics or I love biology or whatever that might, might be. And there was just like right or wrong answers. I couldn't raise my hand because that was like, oh, so you didn't understand? Is that why you're asking for, for help? And a lot of that stuff, right? And the, the, the worst thing for me was the grades. My success was based on, on, on grades and not my own success, right? What I was getting out of it. So a lot of that stuff, although I'm very, very grateful for the education that I had, a lot of those unconscious ways of being, I transferred to real estate. And even after many, many years, I'm still unlearning a lot of those patterns and all for, for, for the experienced women in real estate that are listening right now that are, are dealing with similar situations, pivoting to another exit strategy and not comfortable doing that, not confident doing that because you're trying to do what? Have the right choice. For, for all of you that are scaling your business, you've got to surround yourself with other like-minded women so you can hash it out, get the support that you need, get the mentorship that you need to take your business to the next level. Real estate, in my opinion, it's not a solo act. It's a teamwork. And that's, that's really why Liz and I uh, put our Strive membership together 
to really cater real estate investors, investing business strategies and also self-care, which is super important. So today is December 10th. If you're listening to this, our doors are open until December 13th. So check it out, therealestateinvestor.com slash membership. And if you're listening to this after this date, check out our waiting list. The, the link is on our show notes. I hope you, you check what we have put together because it's to really empower you to take your business to the next level while you're living life on your own terms. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I love that idea of unlearning, right? <laughs> and, so I, and I know- and I know Kim, you have so many. You have so many. Um, you shared so much in in the work you've done around, uh, you know, education. So hopefully, we'll get to some of those questions today. And we have so many prepared for you. Well, um, Professor brought up some great points. <laughs> a lot of yeah. a lot of what we have to do is unlearn. But also, you brought up t- uh, mentorship and teamwork, um, all vital vital for success. Yeah. No, nice, absolutely. nice summary address. A nice summary. <laughs> I like it. We're trying um, to do our best. <laughs> you're doing great. <laughs> so we always kind of kick things off, Kim, for, for our guests. What propelled you? What, what motivated you to begin investing in real estate? Well, I knew nothing about real estate as a lot of women are in the same situation. I knew nothing. We were building our business, uh, was still getting off the ground. And Robert kept talking about what his rich dad taught him about investing and specifically about real estate. And he talked to me a little bit and he goes, go, go see what you can find. And I'm like, excuse me, do what? Um, and we were living in Portland, Oregon at the time. And so I'm just driving around neighborhoods. I'm on my bicycle. I, I don't even know what I'm looking for, but I found this really cute little two bedroom, one bath house, just blocks from where we were living and brought in a realtor and long story short, it was, it was $45,000. I had to come up with a $5,000 down payment, which we did not have. And I think like most people, as you were saying, address that getting comfortable, I was very uncomfortable. And I have a saying that you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order to grow. And so I was very uncomfortable. I was looking for every reason possible, every excuse possible, why this is not a good deal. You know, what if the, what if the tenant moves out and what if I didn't, I missed something in the, in the pipes break, or what if the roof leaks and all of these, all of this drama and all of these excuses to not do this real estate deal. And I finally came down at it. It was face to face with me, nothing else, no one else finally came up with that $5,000, did that deal. And every month after I collected the rent and paid the mortgage, paid the expenses, I had a big old $25 positive cash flow every month. And that's how I started. And that formula, Liz, and address of that formula of income, less expense, less debt, cash flow is the formula for real estate. It's a simple formula. It's the same formula I use today on, you know, two, 300 unit apartment buildings. It's the same formula. It's not rocket science, but it's getting over that, that fear of that first deal. Um, had I not, who knows where I would be today. Well, years ago in 2011, when when I got started, I'm I started doing uh, uh, the Rich Dad courses. That's how I oh, learned everything. Oh, yeah. great! Yes, absolutely. Cool. And one one of the and amazing mentors there that really what they taught me. I pay for my education and all my mistakes, and I would do it all all over again. But one thing that really motivated me is that I heard from one of them. They they 
the concept of the fir your first deal. How important is your first deal? The longer you take to yes. avoid that, longer it is that you're actually not going to pull the trigger, right? Yeah. So I, I said, I refuse. I refuse to come to those events, stand up and say, well, I started a year ago, two years ago, and I am getting ready to get ready to pull the trigger. Yeah. So I, yes. I really refused that. And, and we really had very specific actions in order to do that. One thing that we hear a lot, right? I don't have the money to get started. And as you, you mentioned, you didn't have the 5,000 to, to put down. What needs to change from the, the is it a mindset or for all of the people that are listening right now that are getting started or for the experienced investors that are looking to invest in apartment complexes, but they're like, how? I also don't have or scale. I don't have the money. The money is always a quote unquote, an excuse why they're neither getting started, scaling or pivoting. What would you say to them? Yeah. Well, first of all, what you were also talking about in that first deal and you mentioned it earlier in the show, is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, especially like-minded women. That makes such a difference because to have that support base, these, these people will have most, probably a lot of them have gone through what you're going through, or they have the same questions, so much easier than doing it on your own. I did it on my own and it was, it was harder because I had to deal with this. You know, there's enough negativity going on with other people telling me I can't do it. But when I have to, when I'm telling myself I can't do it, um, I need, I, it's really helpful to have that support group. So like-minded people are crucial. In terms of not having the money, never, 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 ever let the excuse, I don't have the money stop you from doing a good real estate deal. Never. I always say, find the deal first, go find it, go touch it, go smell it, go walk around it because then it becomes real. Up until then, it's just theory. It's just like, oh yeah, someday, and someday never comes. Someday when I have the money, well, you never have the money because you're always, something comes up and you're always gonna spend it on this or that. So find the deal first, make it real, get excited about it. And then I, for me, I did not have the money for the first 10 deals I did, maybe more. Um, but it, what it forced me to do, it forced me to get very, very creative and, and find different ways to find the money. So for example, for that first deal, we're like, how are we going to, how are we going to get this done? And, and I was so excited about the property and it all, it just made sense. And so basically how we got the first $5,000 is we created, we had our business. This was before Rich Dad. We had another business before that. And it was education. So we created and we created a little ad, sent it out to our community and said, we have this this tape product called such and such, and you can pre-order it. <laughs> and so we had all these pre-orders and the pre-orders all came in and that's how we got our first $5,000. And then of course we had to make good and we had to create the product and send it out on time. Um, but that's how we did it. So not having the money is can be a great benefit because it forces you to think, it forces you to get creative. And so now today, even though most of our money is invested. So when a good opportunity comes up, we often don't have the money and we put all of those experiences and that creativity to work to figure out, okay, how are we going to, how are we going to make this deal happen? So it's a benefit to not have the money. I think. It sounds like it also benefited your other business. It so, did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so super fascinating, right? Yeah. So you're actually, you're, you're building two pieces. You're actually building a product for your business and getting the revenue to that. Exactly. It's great. 
So the in the five thousand, where the five thousand actually the, did that come from? This this strategy that came was from the sale that came from the sale of our pre-sale, our pre-sale of our products. The same. Okay, gotcha. That's really cool. So so Kim, I want to also ask. You know, we have to ask about what's happening in the not not get into the political arena or get into the economic landscape of what's going on. But you know, that's swarming a lot of people right now. It's a very hot market, both for small deals, large deals, um, competitive, right? Even in the onset of COVID and um, what have you. So. Really would love to get your, you know, get your insight into like, where do you see opportunities? Um, You know, how do women, you know, make the most of this current market? Um, Because there's always opportunities to be had. I don't, you know, I don't care if it's a downturn, upturn or whatever turns going on. There's always opportunity. But most people or even women who are experienced may not always see those opportunities. So I'm curious to get your insight with the the looming what's happening out there politically. That's a great great question. Yeah, great, great question, because there's so much uncertainty out there and there's so much we don't know what's coming down the road tomorrow. Um, But we're just for the record, we're buying real estate. We've just bought two properties in the last six months and we're working on a um, we're developing a a, a senior housing project right now Mm -hmm. as well. Now, we all know that what's happening with the migration, people are moving out of states that are very restrictive and they're moving to the states that are more open. Arizona is filled with Californians. Um, we also have a place in South Carolina, a lot of people moving to South Carolina, Florida, Texas. So those markets are so hot. But I'm going to tell you another little funny story. When you talk about opportunities, we had a condo in Portland, Oregon, and it was a, a friend of ours had done a development. So we got this condo and we just been sitting on it for years and years. Um, we're like, well, we don't like what's happening up in Portland. This is this year. Uh, we don't like what's happening in Portland. Let's sell it. And we'll probably have to take a loss because of all of the disruption that's happening there. There's a lot of homelessness and there's still there's still the fighting going on and violence and things like that. I called the broker and I said, you know, we're probably going to have to take a loss on this, but we just want to get rid of it and move it to something else. And she said, the Portland market is on fire. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she said, people aren't moving in, but people are moving up. And one of the trends today you'll see is do it yourself. A lot of home remodel, a lot of put money into your house. Um, so people, some people aren't relocating, but they're moving up or they want a, a, a better place. So we look at, you know, the, the like Phoenix, Phoenix market is at an all time high yet compared to other parts of the world, it's still relatively inexpensive. So even though the markets may be high, there's still, as you say, Liz, there's always opportunities. And so we're always looking. I love that perspective. To, I love that perspective. Moving, moving in, but instead of moving in, moving up. That's a great perspective. Yeah, I guess yeah. I cut you off. <laughs> no, no worries. I, I was just uh, there's a lot of speculation right now about yeah. where where the market is going. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna have a, a recession coming up. Do you believe that there are um, recession, quote unquote, recession proof real estate niches that that will ride the wave and no problem? Um, all depends on what laws get passed. <laughs> but I, what we've always done, and I still think it's a good strategy today, we've always done, you know, you have your A, a class properties, which are your high end, then your B class, and then your C class, which is low end. We've always focused on the B class, because if a recession hits, if there's a downturn, the first place people move out of is the high end into the lower end. Um, so we've always focused and, and we didn't want to get into the C because that's always a lot of work and a lot of uh, more maintenance oftentimes and a lot more headaches. So we mm-hmm. focused on the B and that's played out very well for us when they did the um, 
rent moratorium and people didn't have to pay rent. Um, we have great, great, great teams and they worked with our, our tenants. Um, I think we, the, the lowest we ever got to was maybe 89% paid. So there's always, you've got to, you know, as a, even if it's a single family house, it's a business. Every property is a business and you've got to treat it like a business. And as long as you're actively involved and you know what's going on or you have access to the team, that's really, really important. And then, you know, you look at the trends that are happening. Delivery. Everybody wants delivery. So maybe warehousing is an opportunity. Um, as I mentioned before, we're in a senior housing project right now that we're developing because that that hasn't changed. These baby boomers, they're aging. They're going to need housing. So those some some things have changed, but some have not. Uh, I was driving. I was driving down our, our main road the other day, yesterday, and I go by our U-Haul dealer, and there's tons of U-Haul trucks in there. Meaning people have moved in. It's like little. Just watch the little things happening in your neighborhood. FedEx trucks everywhere. UPS trucks everywhere. Everybody wants delivery. So you don't have to go to macroeconomics to figure out the trends. Just look in your own backyard. I love that. And when we look at you know the real estate cycle, and there's a lot of speculations again regarding the uh, upcoming crash. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's not a like it's when that's going to happen? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It, it seems like there has got to be a downturn. There has to be. This can't, this cannot sustain. It's already from what I'm seeing and hearing, it's already starting to slow a bit. Um, and then also what happens when People have run out of their savings or all that money they were given from the government. And all of a sudden, maybe they can't pay their mortgage because they're out of work. They've been laid off or they've chosen not to or because of vaccines, whatever happened. Logically, it seems that there's going to be a lot of properties coming available. That's what I think. Now, that could change tomorrow, but that's kind of where we are. However, I say that, but I don't say wait until that comes because then you may be waiting forever. And Liz, as you said, there's always an opportunity in in every city. You just gotta yeah. you just gotta know what to look for, and you really gotta be smart about it. You gotta be a little smarter today than when I started back in 1989. It was a little easier back then. Well, even like during COVID, right? I mean, talk about something that was unprecedented that no one even yeah. saw coming. Yeah. Um, we bought our largest asset to date, like June of COVID, and you know, because you, you start to think, wow, that's really risky, but, yeah. but is it risky? You know, when, when to the, to the, um, you know, buyers fell, fell off, we were the third bidder and they took our bid and, you know, we won the deal because the other two couldn't pull it together during, during that time. That's in a top performing a lot of our assets. So it's doing, doing great. My, my point in saying that is we have to be mindful of like listening to too many voices out there that yes. don't have the experience, right? That aren't in the arena of investing. Had we like polled our family and friends, they would have been like, you're crazy. <laughs> but we didn't poll them. We don't ask them those things. You know, we did actually ask people in our circles and, and groups that we're a part of. And, you know, just to kind of get like, you know, where, where are you? Like, yeah, we're making offers and that's an amazing deal. And just to kind of run it by people, you know, it's a larger asset. It's a, so I just say that because um, watch who you listen to, right? Well, that's, and that's, that's a great point, Liz, because, you know, there's a lot of, we, we talk about real teachers versus fake teachers. Mm -hmm. So a real teacher, Liz, you're a real teacher. Adressa, you're a real teacher because you are teaching people what you are doing. You're out there doing it every day with real estate and all and business. Um, but then there's fake teachers and these are people that are going to tell you what to do, but they've never done it. 
a lot of times they're called real estate brokers or real estate or financial advisors, but they're not actually doing what it is. And so it's a really important point you make, Liz, is that you want to be around people who are like in your circle, as you say, who are out there doing it, who are doing the real thing, because they're going to have the ones that have the most experience and most knowledge, not somebody who's sitting back telling you what to do, although they don't do it themselves. You, gotta, you, gotta, you want to learn from real teachers. So be really careful to listeners today. Be really careful who you're taking your advice from and really check it out. Don't even take my advice. Just check it out yourself and really do your, do your homework, do your due diligence. Love that. And it's such an important part too, when you're partnering with people, right. Mm-hmm. To, in, 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 you know, obviously building teams, doing deals, but then partnerships. And we're actually um, finishing up this week, a three-day live, you know, educational event we did on partnerships. Oh, and um, yeah, it's such an important piece. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to scale, you can't do it all yourself. You know, what you could have done with a fourplex is a little different, right? On a hundred unit or larger or something, just something bigger and, and different. So love to get your insight into what you've, because I'm sure you've experienced on business partnerships, real estate partnerships, all kinds of partnerships in, in your career. So tell us what about some of your, you know, best, you know, best partnerships. What were those, what were those qualities of your best partnerships versus the ones that didn't work out? I'm also interested on the worst ones. I want to know what you're talking about. Those are more fun. (laughs) The worst, okay, the worst and the best have one thing in common is that it's called being aligned to the mission. And the worst, talk about it. Oh, yeah, 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 I'm I'm on board. I'm on the mission. You know, mission of the rich dad company to to, uh, elevate the financial well-being of humanity. Yes, I'm on board. I'm on board. But when it comes to what are the actions and what are the behavior, um, very different. So the best partners, same thing. They are totally aligned to the mission. We are on the same page, um, moving down the road together. Um, so that that's one thing. If you're going to take on a partner, make sure that you and that partner have the same mission, the same values, the same goals. It's so, so, so important. But I'll tell you, to you um, a story that you were just, you reminded me of, Liz, when you were talking about, you know, you can only have so many properties. So I, at the time, had... Uh, two apartment buildings and about eight single family homes. And I had on-site managers for a couple of properties. Um, I guess I had about 50 altogether, 50 prop, 50 units altogether. And I was self-managing as well. And I couldn't manage anymore. I didn't had no more time because I had the business and plus all the property. And I'm like, oh, so I, I stopped, I stopped looking for property for like almost two years. And then we met our partner, Ken McElroy. You talk about a great partner. This is a great partner. He's also a rich dad advisor and he's our investment, uh, real estate investment partner. And we start talking. He has the exact same formula for cash flowing properties as we do. And he's managing property at that time. He was a property manager. And I'm like, oh, great. Thank you. Could you please manage my properties? And he said, no. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> he said, I, I cannot. I'm like, why not? Because your properties are too small. He goes, I only manage properties of 120 units or more. And I'm like, oh, so of course that inspired me to work with him to find 120 unit building of which we did. And then he's, we've been, we've been investment partners, uh, Robert and I for, with Kenny for, and his partner for many, many, many years. I I love those partners that say no to us, that don't agree to everything that that we say. Exactly. Right, that they are really being who they are, true to themselves, know what they bring to the table. Yep. And that I, actually, I respect that a lot. I do too. When, 
right? It's it's just amazing. You mentioned about the the cash flow flow formula before, but I want to dissect it a little bit. You meant there are four steps you you said for yes. your cash flow. Would you mind going down that because I think it's important for everybody that are listening to get the yeah. recipe, quote unquote, the recipe the <laughs> that can be duplicated across the board. So if you could sure. uh, dissect that, that would be great. The partners, if they, if they're all agreeing, there's a saying that. If you and your partner agree on everything, then one of you is un- is unnecessary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. I hashtag that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the formula is very simple. And, and before I get there, two of the key things that you want to make sure of where you're investing is you want to make sure that there's jobs. And that's an is- interesting issue today, given people being laid off and, and the whole vaccine mandates and all of that. But you want to be where there's jobs and where the economy is going up. You don't want to invest. I don't want to invest in an economy going down because I don't know how down it's going to go. And if the economy is going down, people are going to move out to other places. Number one. So I just wanted to make that point. But the formula is very simple. You start with income. Okay. You have your rent income, less your expenses, your upkeep, your lawn, your utilities, all of that, less your expenses, that gives you your net operating income, NOI. So income minus expense, net operating income, NOI. The reason NOI is so important and why you want to focus on NOI is because that's what the banks loan you money on. They want to know what your NOI is. That determines how much money they're going to give you for your mortgage. So NOI. So then you have after NOI, you have less your debt, less your your mortgage payment on the property, and that equals cash flow. That's the formula. That's a formula on a single family house. That's a formula on a 500 unit apartment building. It's the same formula. And it's very simple. But the key is on income, everybody says, well, you know, you want to figure out how do you how do you raise your income? How can you increase your income? It could be what we call value add. We always look for a property that is not well managed, is in disrepair, where we can take it or or we can build onto it. So somewhere that we can improve the value of the property. And if you improve the value, then you can raise the rents. When it comes to expenses, most people say, oh, how can I cut expenses? And I think that's the wrong question. I think a better question is, how can I spend money most effectively to increase the value of the property? I have no problem spending money as long as it increases my NOI. Um, And then debt, of course, the question to ask on debt is how do I get the best terms? And that's always a a negotiation. But that's the formula. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. Some people want to overcomplicate it. Um, I like to keep it very, very simple. Sometimes the more I know, the more complicated it gets. Um, Had I known everything I know today about real estate, I probably never would have bought that little two bedroom (laughs) one half house. (laughs) So sometimes ignorance is bliss. Parents is absolutely blessed for me, for me as well. Uh, some of the things you you get involved, especially when my husband and I got started and the buildings we bought and just like, well, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, what yes. were we thinking? Yes. You know, and I think about that now, but I'm like, you know, every decision serves us in some way. Absolutely. And every move makes a, you know, makes us a better person if we allow it to, of course. Yeah. Um, and we're not making those same mistakes. Our mistakes are, their mistakes are how we're designed right. to grow and learn. Yeah. We make new mistakes now. <laughs> so. well, some of the, some of the biggest mistakes I've made have been the best learning lessons ever, ever. Yeah. What's been one of those for you, Kevin? Well, I write about one of them in my in my book, Rich Woman. Then I write about this one. I won't go into all the details, but the bottom line is I lost a I lost a big deal because of my own fear, because mm-hmm. of my own fear of making mistakes, of losing money, of all of that. Um, 
And so I spent months negotiating with the seller and he finally said, this is too difficult. I mean, I brought in attorneys. I was like, it was a mess. I was scared because it was a big deal. And so when I lost that deal, I started blaming everybody else. And then when I looked at it, I'm like, no, it was my own fear that stopped me from moving forward. And Mm. so I happened to have on my desk, a friend of mine had sent over a similar property that I was living. I was in Phoenix. This property that just fell out was in Florida. So I was flying back and forth on top of it. Well, this deal was almost identical, but it was two blocks from my house. It was less money. It was better cash flow. And because of all of the all of the learning I had done, the due diligence I had done, I called this broker and basically said, "Is it available?" And he said, "They've took they took they never listed it, but they'll entertain an offer." And I said, "I know a lot about this property." I said, "Give them." Oh, and then on top of it, he said. I said, How, what are they asking? He said, 7.2 million. I said, what's it worth? He said, 7.5. I said, good. I said, give them full price and we'll close in 30 days. And he's like, you can't close in 30 days. You can't do that. I'm like, oh yes, we can, because I'm really pissed off at myself right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> my wanted- motivation. I'm pissed yep. off at myself. Yeah. And and to what, as you said, Liz, about the property you bought in COVID, this today, this was, whew, this was 2002, I think. To this day, it's still one of our best performing properties. It's where we're doing, it's where we're developing now our, it was a fitness club and now we're developing a um, senior housing. So mistakes, you got to, you got the mistakes are the most valuable thing. Never, never, um, never lose sight of a, a good mistake. There's a quick follow-up there too, Kim. I mean, fear is real. We all, we all, you know, we all have it. It's yeah. not like this thing that once you get a lot of experience, you just like, oh, I'm good. I don't ever feel fear in any situation. It's still something that comes up. So have you, do you do some, have a certain practice? Like how do you move through things knowing that that happened? And obviously that served you to say, that's not going to happen again. Do you do any sort of like habit? Is there a habit that you have, or I don't know, something that you do to make sure that you, that doesn't limit you again. And in another situation, just curious how you manage your own, how you manage your own fear. Yeah. Well, and and address and mention it in in your opening. Um, You talked about, I forget the word you use, self, self, Care, self-care. Self-care. So I do a lot of work on this. I do, and I do a lot of personal development. Um, I think that's the the key for me. Um, every morning I'm reading from one of my spiritual books. I'm journaling. I do some meditation. Um, but I got to keep this under control. I have also a coach who helps me with this. I have a coach for real estate. I have a coach for business. I have a coach for fitness. And I have a coach for this because I don't want that to stop me. And, and to your point, Liz, there's a if you're growing and you're taking on bigger projects, there's going to be fear because there's a lot of unknowns that you're going to be stepping into. And I think that's the fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of making a mistake, the fear of losing money. So I do everything possible to, to get this under control as much as possible. And I also surround myself with people much smarter than me, who I trust, who I trust. That's a key, key piece, who you trust. Cause I know a lot of smart people and I, some people I trusted and didn't work out so well. So you, I really want to surround myself with people that are smarter than me that I trust. And that's our, we have a, a team of Rich Dad advisors at the Rich Dad company. Um, and they are our, our personal advisors as well on real estate, stocks, taxes, legal. Um, so it's, and I, and I trust every one of them explicitly, but it's a, it's a key point. I want to, I want to segue about the success, right? Because it's not many people might just see the success and not the work that goes behind 
the scene in, a lot of work. and they they by compare their their life with other people's Instagram accounts. So <laughs> complicated. Don't do, that. But you, do not do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. You mentioned uh, two key things that people can do right now to accelerate their financial success, and I'm curious to see what are like those those two things that people can do right now in order to take them forward, move them yeah. forward. Well, watching your program. <laughs> and watching programs like this that you're learning from real teachers who are out there in the real estate world doing what it is you want to be doing. Um, in, the, in the background here is our, our board game cash flow. We always recommend that. That's something near and dear to the, my heart. That's the very first product Robert and I came out with before Rich Dad Poor Dad um, because it, it teaches you, you, you want to learn the language and you can, you, that's not just on the board game, but you want to learn the language of money. You want to learn the strategies behind real estate. Um, so step number one is to get some education from trusted sources. And so we created the cash, cash flow game because it's basically the steps that Robert and I took to go from the rat race to becoming financially free. And it's like we people wanted to know how we did it. And we're like, well, we can't travel all over the world teaching people what we did. So we created a board game that can travel all over the world and people can teach each other and families can play together, teach their kids and, and groups. We have cash flow clubs all over the world people get together on a regular basis. Um, so that's that's one thing. Another thing is once you get a little education, then put some money down. I mean, that for me is the fastest way to learn. Put a little, you, you can go out, I, I often say, go out and buy a one ounce silver coin today. It'll cost you about, I don't know, $28 today. But by buying it or a few shares of stock or, or even if you're up to a, a small piece of property, once you put some money down, even if it's you know $10, you're going to get interested in whatever it is you purchased, and you're going to start learning about it more. You're going to go online. You're going to read about it. If it's silver, how come the price is up? What's down? You're going to learn about more precious metals. But I always say, put a little money into it because then it becomes more real. And I think anybody could do that. Any woman today could just go out and buy a one ounce silver coin, go buy some a few shares of a stock that you personally are, are invested in, in terms of, you know, it's something that you're doing something with, but those are a couple of things. I love that. It's like skin in the game, right? And it's not until, I think everyone's looking for the perfect deal. They're looking for the, the home run. And yeah. I always say like, take a single, yeah. you know, take a, get, get, just go and, you know, what's I'm such a bad analogy with baseball, but oh, it's good. It's a good one. Yes. You know, like the walk, um, you don't take a walk, but you, you walk, whatever. You walk a player. No, to your really point. So we're, we're good friends with, um, his name is Ryan Sandberg. He was in the, he was a baseball player for the Cubs okay. uh, and got inducted into the hall of fame and in his hall mm -hmm. of fame talk. And he had all of the heroes there, Yogi Berra and all, all of those guys. Um, Mickey Mantle, everybody was, well, he wasn't there, but others were there. Um, but in his speech, he said, the problem with baseball today is that everybody wants to hit it to, for the fences. They all want to go for the home run where what's needed is to get your guy to first base. Yeah. And that's it. And people, yeah, it's a, it's a great point, Liz, because you just start small. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and you want to start with a little property, not a big property. You want to make those mistakes and learn. I learned so much on that first property and then I take it to the next property, but start small. Cause you, yeah, make mistakes, learn from the mistakes and, and keep growing. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in, in reading rich woman and, and we know your commitment to empowering women, which, which quite honestly has, has truly inspired Andres and I, um, long before we started the investor community. So, so thank you for that. I, I really just thank you for, for taking such a stand. 
I'm really, really curious, like what propelled you? Like what, what, why are you so committed yourself to making sure women are financially free? I'm curious what, 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 what's that fire in you that, why is it so, so important to you to see women financially free? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something I set out to do. Um, when we had the rich dad company, I, cause I was, I grew up as the youngest of three girls. So I was always taught that gender has no, no place in success. Gender has, is not a factor of success. So I never had the male female thing at all. I just went, I was taught to go for my dreams. I had a great, great, great parents. So, but when we had the rich dad company and Robert and I would travel all over the world and we'd be teaching about the rich dad principles and philosophies and I would get up on stage and I would just spend like five minutes talking to women about their financial situation. And after the program, I'd be outside and I would always, no matter what city in the world it was, I'd be surrounded by women. And I realized that they had the same issues, the same questions. And I think the biggest, the biggest issue of all is that what I saw is that we've, you know, nobody really had any financial education, male or female, but women were actually taught to depend upon somebody else for their financial well-being. Marry the good provider, you know, get, you know, do make sure that, you know, he is he, is he, is he, um, what's the word I want to use? He's, well, doesn't matter, but, but we were taught, you know, even in the, in Cinderella and all of that, Mary Prince Charming and, and all of this. So we're actually taught not to, not to depend upon ourselves financially, but depend upon a husband or family member or even the government. And what I then started digging into some of the statistics and the statistics tell us that due to um, loss of a job, due to divorce, due to death of a spouse, due to poor money management, women are were finding themselves in horrific financial situations. You know, the divorce happens and his standard of living in a divorce goes up, hers goes down he passes away. She has no idea where her money is or what she's got. And somebody comes to help her. Mr. Helper comes to financially take her, help her out. And next thing you know, she's broke. So it just, it, my eyes opened up to the need for women and, and, and talking to all these women all over the world with the same issues, same questions, um, just woke me up to the need for financial education for women. And, and, and it's fun. It's fun to get together with groups. And I haven't done seminars, live seminars since COVID, except, well, I, I've done one. But um, it's fun to get together with women who are excited about learning, like-minded. They have the same dreams and aspirations. Um, and, and they are, because they haven't been expected to know about money, they are so eager to learn. And I think that's actually one of the advantages for women is that because we don't expect it, we don't pretend we know anything about it. And we're very curious and we're, and we're good learners. The, the women investors I know, and I'm sure in your world too, they're smart, they're successful. They, they, know, how to, they know how to run properties. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? 
It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Absolutely. They're all under the radar. Yes. And we're yes. interviewing all the women so far. When we started, we heard that we will run out of women to interview on our podcast. <laughs> and, I, and I guarantee you guys, no, we still we still have a lot. But <laughs> I want to talk about the advantages. On your book, Reach Women, you talk about the eight advantage that women have as, as investors. So if you could uh, talk about that portion, because I want to, I want all the women that are listening to focus on what we bring to the table and not what we lack of. Yeah, no, I, as I said, women are, women are great when it comes to investing. Um, I think one of, one of the advantages, which I mentioned is because we haven't been taught about money. We don't pretend to know something and we don't, we ask a lot of questions. If you go out go out with a a real estate broker, an investment broker. Um, I've done this before and they start throwing out all this jargon. A cap rate. Oh, everybody's talking about cap rates. Okay. What's a cap rate? Can you explain what a cap rate is? Um, Well, you know, the, the higher the cap rate, the better the deal. I'm like, yeah, but how do you calculate a cap rate? And nobody can tell me. I know because I studied it and I looked it up, but, no, but the brokers can't tell you, but they want to throw out all this jargon. And, and there's so much out there that so we as women, um, if we haven't had the education, we don't we're just curious. We want to know. I also they've done studies also. And this is important for today. They've done studies that have found that in a crisis or in a setback, women are actually more resilient they will take action quicker, where oftentimes the men are wanting things to go back to the way they were. Um, and I've seen this, I've hmm. seen this unfolding in the in the last in the last year or so, even more so. Um, so that's that's a, a big one for women, especially today, given that a lot of women might be in a well, they might be in a crisis, they might be in an emergency, mm-hmm. and the root word of emergency is an emerge. So it could be a great opportunity for a woman if she's in an emergency to emerge, to start doing things differently. Um, I think that's that could be key for women too. The last thing I would say is that in general, um, women are nurturers. They want to see their properties grow. They want to see their properties do well. They want to make sure their tenants are taken care of. And all that does is improve the quality of your property. And if a tenant loves being there, they're going to recommend their friends come stay there too. So I think there's just a lot of great advantages women have. And I'm not saying, you know, who's better men or women at investing. It's, it's because the markets don't really care if you're male or female, they just care about how smart you are with your money. Um, But I think women do bring a whole lot to the table and they don't also, the last thing I'll say is uh, I don't see a lot of women with really big egos um, buying properties for status. We buy properties for cash flow, and we want that bottom line to be pretty. We don't care about if it's the prettiest you know, the prettiest contestant in the beauty contest. We don't care. <laughs> we we always joke. We always joke, Kim, because we're you know you go to these events and and you meet people and everyone's got different questions when you're meeting people. But we often say like people will come up to you like how many doors do you own? You know where where do you own? Like just specific questions, right? And I'm like most of the time I don't get those questions from women. You know they're just yeah. like what are you involved in? Like it's just more. And there's a time to. And listen, there's a time that I understand myself and my own accomplishments and my own 
worth, right? And, and, and there's a time not to do that, of course. But there's another time to just like connect with people and not drill them on how many doors they own. Because like, what does that really matter? You can own a lot of doors and not be making any money. So exactly. I, it's just, yeah, <laughs> leading good. from ego is not something oh, yeah. that yes. yeah, a, lot of, a lot of women do. Um, you know, in the same vein of the advantages that women have, we have so many women in our community that invest with their spouse and build businesses with their spouse. Um, my husband and I, within the same year of, of starting our, our venture, which reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad got us going, um, started investing together, building a business, getting married and investing literally all in the same year. Uh, and that was 16 years ago, right? And so I always often talk that, you know, the road could be rocky and, you know, a lot of women in our community um, want to, you know, have a lot of different scenarios in their life, single, married, separated, all every, every, every scenario. So I'd love to get your insight and your wisdom for, you know, couples that are separating that have successful businesses together. You know, I really would love to get, you know, your thoughts on that because there's possibilities to do a lot of different things, right? There's no like, well, if, if, if this happens, it means this, well, we're not in that world. I'm just, and I don't even play there because there's possibilities endless if everyone's willing to, to go there. So I'm curious to get, you know, get your insight there. Yeah. Well, as I spoke about earlier, you've got real teachers and you got fake teachers. So I can only speak about separation because I am, Robert and I are separated and we've been separated for a couple of years now. So a lot of people don't know that, but, um, and it's tricky because we have ended the, the marriage partnership, but we still have the business partnership. We have all the investments together um, and it's very tricky. Um, it takes a lot of communication and, and it takes, it takes the separation has got, and this is, this is what I, we both worked on has got to be amicable. It's got to be healthy. Um, if you're at war with each other, I don't know how you could remain business partners if you're not on the same page and you're not speaking to each other. Um, Cause it takes a lot of communication. When we go out of communication, that's when blowups happen. That's when upsets happen is because we're not talking. So it's very tricky. It's kind of walking a, a tightrope because you know, one part of your life has changed dramatically. And so it changes the dynamic of your partnership. It changes. So Robert and our partnership and our business, it's different than it was when we were married. Um, and our investments are pretty much the same because we have a good, great team that we work with, but the business is day-to-day -day for me. I'm, I'm, I'm running the day-to-day -day operations of our company. Now we went through a big change, nothing to do with me and Robert had to do with other business partners and not expecting to take it over, but I took it over. That was a couple of years ago. But so I guess the, the key is you've got to make sure that, you know, I, I read, um, I think it was Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he said something about if you're going to leave, leave, don't leave out of anger, leave out of love and respect. And so sometimes that if you're blaming the other person, um, and I had to look at this myself, what was I blaming Robert for? And when I got down deeper to it, it had nothing to do with blaming Robert. It was other issues involved. So that that's all because I'm in the middle of it right now. We're working, we're working through it right now. Um, and the communication seems to be key and keeping that relationship as healthy as possible was really important. So Robert and I have very, very different roles in the company. Um, and so we, we work to make sure that those roles are, are pretty well defined. But again, the biggest lesson for me is to keep the relationship as healthy and amicable as possible. Um, we we both do a lot of personal development work on ourselves. Um, that has been a, a key for us and keeping the communication strong. And that's where we're at today. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love it. In in one of the the questions that we ask you um, 
for, for this interview, uh, you talked about transformation. And throughout this entire interview, it's all about transformation, pivoting, growing your, your, your portfolio, but your mindset as well. So what would you say, Kim, are the four keys to true, 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 true transformation? <laughs> true transformation. I've been studying this. I've been studying this, Adressa, and we've been studying because we did a, my girlfriends and I were all business owners and investors. We did a, a, a product together um, for women to understand what is most meaningful to them at their core, 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 issue, at their core being. Um, and once you understand that, life becomes a lot easier. So in that process, we worked with some people who are very, very knowledgeable in, in neuroscience. So I always thought the key to transformation was you get some information and then you take action. I thought that was it. Well, there's actually four steps. So the first step is, yes, you get some information. The second step is then you've got to take action on it. You've got to put it into practice. And that's where both Liz and you address that we're talking about, you know, you don't want to just analyze, analyze, analyze and, and talk about it. You've got to get in the game. Um, so you get some information, then you take action. The third step, which a lot of us ignore, is called feedback. So you put your finger on a hot stove and you burn your finger, that's feedback. If you smile at somebody and they smile back, that's feedback. Well, that also works in the real world. So if you're, say, you're looking at a, a property, um, you put an offer in and the offer isn't accepted, that's feedback. You get to go, okay, so what is this telling me? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? So every single action we take, every single action, there's feedback. Every time you're doing something in the real world, you're going to get feedback, but we ignore it. So the, one of the most important things is to look at that feedback. Sometimes it could be, you know, you make a mistake. The mistake is feedback. What's the lesson of the mistake? So the feedback is real important. And then the fourth step is to, it's called incubation. And it's where you take that feedback and that learning and you kind of embody it and you take it in cellularly. So we talk about, you could do that through, you know, you, you, you take some time for yourself you journal, you take a walk in the park, in nature, you meditate, whatever it is to kind of just bring that into your whole being. And so those are the four steps to that from neuroscience that we've, that we've discovered. And we actually put it into this product. It's called Her Daring Adventure. It's a lot mm -hmm. of fun. And it's for, for women to really get to who they are at their core and what's most meaningful. I love it. And Kim, quick question for you. Not quick to answer, but quick question. <laughs> what is the lesson that is taking you the longest to learn? The longest to learn? Well, I that's a good question to address it because I actually did look at like the the highs and lows in my life over, over my whole lifetime. What are the highs and lows? And they did have something in common. Um, and what they had in common, especially the lows was not, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust what I knew. And I oftentimes would bring in people that I thought were smarter than me, even though I really knew what to do, whether it be in business, whether it be in investing, I knew what to do, but for some reason I doubted myself. I didn't trust myself. And that always blew up. And the highs were the same. The highs were when I did trust myself and I did move forward with what I know. And I don't know everything. And I do need people around me who are smarter than me, of course. But there is something that we all know. We all have a lot of knowledge. And I always, I don't know why I doubted myself for so long. I don't know why I questioned my abilities. But that was the biggest lesson was to, to trust myself with what I know. Not that I know everything, but trust what I do know in building businesses, in investing, in, in life generally. I love I'm that. Sure a lot of women can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think 
most women, if not all of them can relate to that. I certainly can, because you're raising a great point. What a great, what a great opportunity for women to take time for this themselves and actually um, map out their highs and lows. Yeah. What, a, what a great exercise. That's I did where my head, yeah. I did my head went. Yeah. I did it gives it. you this, to your point, the incubation period, right? The, the, the feedback and the incubation for transformation, because so many women, especially women in our community, they just go, they, they get the info in, they take action. The women yeah. that we really do surround ourselves, make, they yeah. take action. A lot of them, yeah. some don't. And then they loop that info, action, 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 action. And at the end, they're like, they miss the feedback. Yeah, they're exhausted yeah. and they're doing it alone. Yep. And then the, the, I, then there's, then their lows might, might override the highs. So I, great, great stuff. I think it's a great, great insight. And I think we need to look at things and have that time for reflection. We do as women. I mean, we put everybody else first and everything else first, you know, the the kids, the family, the husband, the work, the boss, the whatever, the business, we always put everybody first. And we also end up usually being the caregivers of our parents. um, Mm -hmm. And we just don't take often enough time for ourselves. And I, I found that to be one of the keys to my success is the personal development work that I've been able to do myself. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because of, of who you are and the greatness that you already embody. This is an ongoing thing that it's not like once you get to a point, you're like, I'm good. Let me, let me check yeah. off your personal growth. <laughs> I wish, I mean, I'm doing more, I'm doing more work on myself now than I have probably in the last five years. Yeah. And it's not easy work, but no. it's actually helping me get to where I need to go. Right. Yeah. And, and same with Andressa. Yeah, so it's you're, not like, you get to this point, you're like hey, you're doing bigger deals. You're doing business. Right. You're always learning and growing. Yeah. As long as you're learning and growing, there's more stuff going to come out of here. That's true. <laughs> if you're not doing anything, you don't need personal development. But yeah. out there in the real Turn world- Turn this podcast life. off. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, this has been absolutely amazing. Really, really appreciate your wisdom today and your, your um, just amazing, amazing words. Uh, where can the women listening learn more about you and follow with all the great stuff you're you're up to right now? Uh, well, right now, uh, since <laughs> it's kind of funny, since um, I took back the Rich Dad Company, it's all at richdad.com. Um, we have a, a podcast Robert and I do called the Rich Dad Radio Show. Um, so Rich Woman is right now part of um, richdad.com, which it will stay. But please, um, you can always reach out. There's send, send any questions you have because questions that come in, I usually... If I have the time, I will I will get back to or get the answer that they're looking for. But uh, I just look, I really just want to thank you, Liz, and thank you, Adressa, for the work you're doing and for empowering women and educating women. Um, as I said, especially in these times, I don't think there's anything more important right now than, than education, financial education, investment education, business education, personal education. Um, I think it's crucial right now because it's there's so much uncertainty and I can't control the world economies. I can't control the U.S. economy, any other country, but I, I can I can control my own personal economy. And I think that's where women need to, to get to and really to take charge of their financial lives and not depend upon somebody else. But and women are women are great at it. They're great at it. They're, we are rock stars. Yeah. <laughs> and for all the listeners, all Kim's information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Kim, is what's the most powerful book you ever read? It oh cannot my. say reach that for that because it's been the, one of the powerful. top one over here. Wow. The most powerful. Oh, there's so many. I think one of the earliest books I read, and it, again, it's it, it was on the mindset. It was called As a Man Thinketh. 
And it was written by, um, I think his name is, Al, I think his name was Alan, his last name, Alan, um, old book, goes back way, way, very far. James um, Allen, I think, yeah. James Allen, that was it, yeah. That got me thinking about the mindset. And then my sister, when I was 18, she sent me Your Erroneous Zones by Wayne, Dye, Wayne Dyer. And that got me here thinking again. So it's the, I guess the most powerful books are the ones that are addressing here. Because once you once you handle the mind, the doingness becomes a whole lot easier. This is what gets in my way all the time. This is what gets in my way. It's not how do I do a deal? How do I do a bigger deal that I can learn from other people and that I can learn from experience? But this has got to get out of my way. Otherwise, it'll stop me from doing what I want to do. Wonderful. The second question is, what's the most transformational routine that you do to create and live a financially free and balanced life? Okay. Oh, I have one other book for you, by the way. It's a marketing book. It's a marketing book called Influence by, his that name is Robert Cialdini. It's a great marketing book anyway, because I love marketing. Marketing is my, marketing my, is my thing. So my transformational routine every morning, I, I do my best to make it every morning. I read from one of my spiritual books. Then I journal, do a little journaling, just maybe a question I have or something that I read and I want to kind of be introspective about it. And then typically what I read that morning, I put into practice for the day. So, you know, I read a lot about being present because I'm, I'm not always very present. <laughs> so I practice being present during the day or I practice gratitude during the day. Um, I just read a, a fun little book. And it talked about before you get out of bed, as you're, as you're waking up and before you get out of bed, write down, think of, think of in your mind, the 10 things you're most grateful for. It helps with that. So those things I do every day. And that sets the tone for my day instead of getting out of bed and making my coffee and rushing to my computer. And then I'm like frazzled. I just need that. That's the me time we were talking about. Awesome. And the last question is which woman famous or not has inspired you the most? Well, I know this kind of sounds cliche, but my mom, <laughs> and I'll tell you why, she was such a great role model for me. As I said, I was the youngest of three girls. When I was nine years old, my mom said to me, Kim, if you don't want to spend your life in a kitchen, don't learn how to cook. And then she said, and, and this was, and this was you know, years ago when, when um, before computers and women were oftentimes secretaries. And she said, and if you don't, want to be a secretary, don't learn how to type. And I looked at her and I'm like, what she was saying, she was like, don't limit yourself by this stigma of being a woman. You can be anything you want. You don't have to fall into this category. You don't have to fall into this routine. You can be whatever you want. And to this day, I still do not cook. <laughs> well, something the three of us have in common. Yes. <laughs> good Amen to that. I'm good with takeout. So she was, she was a great role model. And then there was, um, um, a golfer. Oh, I'm trying to think of her name. It was a golf cause I love golf, but there was a golfer and she was, um, oh, what's her name? Babe, D babe Diedrichson. And she was years and years ago. And she kind of broke the stigma of women in golf. And she was, um, one of the, one of the pioneers. So she always stuck out in my mind and my mom was a, a, a fan of hers. And so she would have me read about her. So yeah. Yeah. Love that. I, I like that. I love the underdogs. I love the underdogs too. The underdogs that come up and make it. Yeah. I love that. Kim, thank you so, so much for being on our show, for sharing, sharing your wisdom, sharing yourself with, with our community and on our podcast here. So we just so appreciate you and your time. 
Oh, thank you, Liz. Thank you, Adressa. And again, thanks for the work you're doing. It's it's so needed today. And I so admire the two of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.